0: Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we share our weekly messages, and from time to time, you'll see some other things as well. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can contact us, visit bcwc.org. This is Galatians 2 19 through 20. For through the law I died die to the law, So that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Welcome. Good morning. Glad that you are here. Uh, Glad that you made it through a week of smoke and challenges. It has been an interesting week, has it not? We've been looking together at the book of Galatians. Last week, we began to encounter this little letter that Paul is writing to a group of believers. And part of the world that is controlled by the Roman Empire has a huge Roman influence there, a bustling place of trade. In military power, a place that was very interested in status, a place that wanted to make sure you had the right success. And anybody who didn't might not make you look so good, so you should stay away from them, a place obsessed with busyness and accomplishment. Sound familiar? Paul has spent time with these Christians, most of them from a Gentile background, and developed this church that has emerged and is working, and then as he goes on to do ministry in other places in the world, some other folks come in and say, I don't think you're doing it right. They tell these Galatian believers that if they are to be followers of Jesus, they also also have to take on all the practices of Judaism as well. And more importantly, they wanted them to know that if they were supposed to be following this God, it was important that they didn't hang out with anybody who didn't check all the boxes. So Paul is urging the Galatians to understand that they are part of the family of God because of faith that their status as family members of God's family has nothing to do with rituals they observe or how careful they are to cultivate the appropriate image or brand or perfect narrative about their perfect, happy lives. No, they're part of the family of God because of the faithfulness of Christ who went to the cross for everyone. They're part of the family of God because of their faithfulness to say yes to the Lord. So Paul says, the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith. The faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Last week we talked about this idea that we find all through Galatians, this question, do you really want to be free? Free from being unvalued and unwelcome, from feeling unimportant. Free from trying to prove that you are good enough. Free from sin and death. Last week we learned that in Christ we are already free, open the table, all are welcome. We heard this quote which will guide this whole look at Galatians from Rachel Held Evans who says, this is what God's kingdom is like. A bunch of outcasts and oddballs gathered at a table, not because they are rich or worthy or good, but because they are hungry, because they said yes and there's always room for more. The Galatians, like us, are part of the family because they said, yes, they have the library card like Emily showed us. But they have forgotten this. They seem to be questioning, is it enough? Are we enough? Are we doing what we must do? Everybody else isn't so sure about us. Can we be sure about ourselves? Today, I hope that we open our eyes and our ears to see how we are part of the family of God. So I want to tell you a little bit more about about my story and the story of my stepdad. It's so formative to my faith. When I was nine, my mom married my stepdad, Jim, who was in the army. We uh, had to uproot our lives and move across the world to, to Germany to live with him there. And as I was thinking about this passage and what it means to be part of the family of God, I thought to myself, when was it that I became his son and he became my dad? Because it was an interesting relationship to meet somebody as an older child and then suddenly as a nine-year-old be their son. When did that happen? What was the event that made him my dad or me his son? I've shown you before the picture of the castle Neuschwanstein. I'll put it back up here again and remind you this is where he proposed to my mom so that I could never outdo him. But I was there too on a cold bridge. It was an icy day. He asked my mom to marry him. I was standing there awkwardly interrupting or something like a normal third grader would. And then he asked me too, will you be my son? Was it that moment? Was it at the wedding ceremony when they had me like, help light the candle at one point and I got to stand in a cool suit next to him? Was it when I first used the word dad instead of Jim, which took a long, long time? Was it when the military gave me a dependent ID card that said he was connected to me and if I got in trouble, he would get in trouble? Was that when it happened? Perhaps there were voices that I heard growing up that say, well, you're not really part of his family. I mean, did you do the appropriate paperwork? Did you have a legal adoption? Did you change your last name? Do you really count? I know that sounds silly, but, but it's a question that we might ask of our standing with God. Are we really part of the family? Am I really valuable? Am I really loved? Am I really a child of God? Did that really happen. See, we want to know. We want that assurance. We want to know that we belong to God and God wants us, even to the point where we might try to prove it through our own actions, right? We want to prove that we're in, that we're right, that we're worthy. That's the Galatians problem. They've decided to take this status as children of God and take it into their own hands to try to prove that they're valuable and they're worthy. They believe the lie that maybe they're not really loved. Maybe they're not really valuable. Maybe they're not really Christian. So to try to elevate themselves, they ostracize others. They say, I'm more in the family than them at least. I don't want people thinking I'm like them. I don't want to be associated like them. Let me make sure I do all the right things. Show everybody how holy I am. Show God how holy I am. Maybe if I'm just busy enough, successful enough, look good enough on my internet profiles, if I raise the perfect kids, if I always appear like I have it all together, if I volunteer enough, then maybe I'll prove that I'm in. Maybe then, finally, I would know that I have a people who love me, a place I'm secure, a purpose that helps me get up in the morning. Let me prove it. Sound familiar? Sounds exhausting. We, like the Galatians, can think we have to check all the boxes to be part of the family. In fact, uh, Paul calls out the Apostle Peter we read last week for being a hypocrite, to act like he's welcoming all to the table until some others show up who might be critical of him and then he shrinks away. Paul says this is unacceptable. You're part of the family. Think about when you became part of the family. And maybe you haven't yet. Today I want you to hear that it's not about what you do, but what Christ has done for you. You are welcome to the family. Are you hungry? Say yes. Paul will dig in more with these Galatians to remind them that, yes, they're part of the family, and because of that, they have a people. They have an inheritance, a place. They have a purpose and a future. And before we dive into chapter 3, I just want to say that that Galatians in the past has been misused by people sometimes uh, to degrade people of the Jewish faith. Paul is not talking about people with Jewish heritage engaging in their cultural practices. That is not what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about This attitude that these Gentile Christians must feel like they must prove their value by shunning others and going through all of these rituals. That's what he's critiquing. And we have to remember that so we don't fall into traps that others have. This is Galatians 3, 1 and 2. Paul says, You foolish Galatians! Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly exhibited as crucified. The only thing I want to learn from you is this. Did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law or by believing what you heard? You foolish Galatians, Paul says. He's not mincing any words here. That word fool, foolish, It's actually the same word that Jesus will use after his resurrection when he's talking to some of his followers who did not recognize him on that road to Emmaus. Can you not see? At this time, sight was often valued as the highest of senses, and Paul wants them to remember what they've seen, what they've seen in their own lives when the Spirit came and filled them. And we may be confused by that talk about the Holy Spirit in our world today, because we can be skeptical of this kind of mystical, spiritual language. But something has happened for these followers when they believed. Something happened in them that they knew that they were part of the family of God. Something happened when they turned to Christ, when they encountered Christ. And I would bet that something has happened in you too. When did you become part of the family? When did the Spirit come? I think about ways that I've found comfort in challenging times through my faith in Christ. Times I've been encouraged or pushed or amazed by something bigger than myself. I think about the times when reading or praying or reflecting on Christ that I see myself in one of the characters and the stories of who He is caring for or saving or healing or loving. And and I know that I'm not alone and I know that the Spirit is as close to breath. Paul says, when did you receive the Spirit? Was it because you did all the right things or because you believed? When did you know hope? and justice and joy and peace? When has God drawn you or moved you, even in small things? Was it because you did all the right thing, Or because you encountered the story, the power, the people of Christ? Paul says to these believers, you don't have to have all these markers You don't have to be ritually circumcised. You were impassioned for Christ when you fell in love with Christ. The Spirit came to you, it's yours. Open your eyes. That the Spirit of God is a mark of who is the family of God, a mark of what is to come. It is part of our inheritance, a down payment of what is to come. It makes us part of the family and shows us what family life is like to have a comforter, a presence, a power already with us, already yours. Receive it. You can't earn it. They've received it because they believe. And then Paul is going to take the argument back to the Old Testament and take it way back in the Old Testament. This is Galatians 3, 6-9. Just as Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, so you see, those who believe are the descendants of Abraham. And the Scripture foreseeing what God would reckon as righteousness to the Gentiles by faith declared the Gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, All Gentiles shall be blessed in you. For this reason, those who believe are blessed with Abraham, who believe. This can be kind of a bizarre argument for us today. We don't think about our faith in the terms of Abraham very often, but in the ancient world and in Jewish life, to be part of Abraham's family was, was Everything. It meant you were in, you were chosen, you were valued, you were loved, you were selected. You've probably wanted to be in the in crowd before. Perhaps standing on the wall saying, how come I want to be in there? This is God's crowd, Abraham's family, chosen, welcomed. It meant you were part of the promise. You were given a people and a place, a community and a future Paul goes back to this story of Abraham, the beginning stories of the people of God, a story that happened before there were all these rituals and a law was given. Instead, just back to when Abraham believed that what God said about him could be true. And Paul says, if you would believe that what God says about you is true, welcome to the family, (laughs) If you would say, yes, God, you say, you will give me a people, a place and a purpose, welcome to the family. Scholar N.T. Wright says, the welcome of all kinds of people into the single faith family is the practical outward gift by which Jesus' followers give to one another the visible, tangible evidence that they are loved by the one God. Abraham believed Abraham believed when God said, look to the stars and count them. Your descendants will be that numerous. Abraham was 75, and he believed that would still happen. He decided to say, yes, God. And it was counted to him as righteousness, not something he earned, but a welcome to the family, right standing with God. Abraham would believe God. When God said, I will bless you, and your descendants will be blessings to others, all Gentiles, everyone shall be blessed in you. And in Christ, we see the fulfillment of this hope. All people welcome to the family. Paul says Abraham, the father of all Israel, becomes God's person because he believed. And God took this believer, though he will make plenty of mistakes to come, and decided to bless the whole world through him. He believed that God had a family for him, an inheritance for him, a place for him, and you do too. That in Christ we have a people, the church, as disappointing as the church can be. We are invited to a community to be together. We've been given a place, no matter where you are, God's kingdom is breaking in around us, and the Spirit helps us see it in our midst. That we can live fully alive, praying even now that the kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. We've been given a place and a people wherever you are. And I want you to look at verse 13 through 14 of chapter 3. Paul says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it's written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. In order that in Christ Jesus, the blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so we all might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Christ redeems us from the curse. What curse? What is this? Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. This curse is is simply Paul being honest about the human condition. We all carry the curse of humanity, despair, and death. A feeling like we have no purpose, no family, no inheritance, no spirit, no hope. The curse of the tree is specifically a reference to Deuteronomy. And it's not talking about anything except somebody who was executed by the state. Someone who would be rejected and devalued and unclean. And Jesus goes and takes this death sentence and conquers it, makes a new way to invite all to the family. Like all of humanity was banished from how things should be because of the taking of a fruit on a tree, Jesus puts himself on the tree and welcomes us back into the family. All are welcome. Paul wants the Galatians to remember what they've seen and what they've heard. To open their eyes and their ears. To remember that, yes, you already have a people and a place and a purpose. Stop hemming yourselves in. <laughs> Growing up at my house, we had a dachshund, um, a wiener dog. This dachshund was named Shasta. She was named after either the soda or the mountain or the character in the Chronicles of Narnia, depending on which family member you asked. Shasta was a great dog, and she knew somehow the property lines of our yard. And so no matter what was going on, she would go up to the edge of that line and never cross it. Even if we were going to the neighbors, she would walk with us all the way to the edge of the line and just sit and wait at this imaginary line. She just knew. It's almost as if the Galatians have now heard from these teachers. Seeing these people shun them and say they're actually not quite good enough and and you don't want to associate with those people and, and be careful of this and that. and It's almost like they have an imaginary property line suddenly put around them. I don't really count. I can't really go there. I can't really be part of the family. I can't really welcome someone or care for someone or share a table with someone because it might make me unclean. And Paul is reminding the Galatians. Hey, that line, it's not really there. Stop. Welcome to the family. Stop believing that you are lesser or unwelcomed or not enough. You are. And more so because Christ is enough, and Christ has welcomed you. Abraham was made right because he believed. He believed in God's promise that he would be a people with a place and a purpose. And we have this promise too. We've been given to people, God's family, a place, this world, the kingdom breaking in, a purpose. What's the purpose? Abraham, it said, his family, his descendants, his people would bless all people. That's our job too. By the power of the Spirit, by the support of our people, by the place that we've been placed, we have a purpose. To bless. Are we a blessing to all? Am I a blessing to all? Are you a blessing to all? There's freedom that comes in knowing that we have a place and a people and a purpose. We don't have to try to prove everything, build everything. We're free. When my parents got married and I moved in to my dad's apartment, I wanted to prove that I was a worthy son, right? I wanted to do the right things in the right way, especially at his military functions he would be surprised to know that what he observed in my anxious idiosyncrasies at these functions was me trying, but it was, I promise. But you know what? Sometimes when I was so insecure that maybe he might reject me, I missed out on some of the joys of just being a son. Of listening to my dad's music collection, he had a 300 CD changer and it was full, some of which my mom did not approve of some of those CDs. Their adventures and comforts and security. It was then that I knew that I had a people and a place. And once I started to grasp that, what freedom? And we know the data about what it means for people when they're secure in a relationship and a place. We hear about Bridge of Hope, and that's why we do these social network neighboring things because. People need people to say, I'm with you, and I support you, and it's going to be okay. And if you get in a car accident, you have somebody you can call, right? That makes all the difference. And in Christ, we find that we've been invited to the greatest support network there is. For a long time, I still had a hard time talking to my dad about real stuff. Relationships, faith, questions, insecurities, questions I didn't want to ask my mom. All because I didn't want to disqualify myself. I know now that my dad, who was a good father, would have never rejected me, but not all of us have that story. The truth is, some families aren't safe. But if my human stepdad, who was flawed, didn't reject me. How much more will our Heavenly Father who is perfect welcome us in? Invite us to new life. Open your eyes. You're already part of the family. So say yes. Believe. And if you haven't yet said yes, you can just do it. Open your eyes. Know you are loved and know you are welcomed. You are. You are. You are. Paul says, you foolish Galatians. But perhaps we shouldn't read it as an angry message, but instead read it with a deep sympathy. It comes from someone who knows how much love and purpose and value these people are just letting go. You foolish Galatians. How much might we be missing too? As we read through Galatians, I want to challenge you to read it as well. you can read it, uh, 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 read the book. It's six chapters. Read it once a week if you'd like. Um, uh, you can just take it and read it throughout the month of June. We're already now partway through June, so you, it's a short book. Jump in. I would encourage you to engage with this text. Ask the question when, when did I become part of the family? What was it like? And, and am I a blessing to all? Let us pray. God, thank you for this opportunity to reflect on your scriptures and thank you that you invite us to the family. That we can't earn it. We don't have to prove ourselves. You have already done the work on the cross. And so as you invite us to life, new life, life everlasting, full life, abundant life, even now, God, may we hungry people say yes. And may you use us as we find that we have a people, that we have a place to be, people who welcome more to the, be the people, welcome more to the place that we might not ever shut the door on somebody. And as we find and build that security together in the one who has made us, may we be a blessing to all. This week, Lord, challenge us as we think about that word all. Who are you pushing us by the power of your Spirit to bless? In the name of Christ, amen. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or are looking for ways that you can support God's work at this church, visit bcwc.org. And as you go, Through whatever your day may throw at you, I want to share this blessing with you. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you in the wilderness, protect you in the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go and be the church.